Hi, this is Pastor Wade Foy coming to you from First United Methodist Church of Lake Jackson. This is our weekly message. We're so glad that you have joined us. We hope this message will bless you. We're talking about Epiphany today. Yesterday was actually uh, Epiphany, but we're remembering it today. We're celebrating it today because of its impact it has on our faith and also what it reveals to us about ourselves as well as um, about those who um, go after Jesus. So it has me thinking about how far we would go to find something or find someone, or how long we will wait or, or, or willing to wait to find something or someone. There are some things that people really want and are willing to do whatever it takes, willing to wait the time or, or willing to spend uh, their resources to get it. So uh, the iPhone came out. Uh, the first iPhone came out um, uh, 17 years ago this year in 2007. And I remember people waiting in line for hours, not just for the first iPhone, but for several iPhones thereafter. I'm not sure if people still do that. I think, you know, that it's a little bit bigger now and it, uh, you can order it online and it comes to your house and these type of things. But I remember it uh, being such a big thing. People would wait in line sometimes all night. And the same thing for other forms of technology where they wait in line for the latest and greatest form of whatever that is. They get out there, they get out there early or like on uh, Black Friday. I don't know if people still do it, but they would, I remember aunts and uh, uh, a lot of people, uh, granny and all these kind of people would go out there and be first in line, uh, make sure to get whatever that is. Now the latest craze that I heard about is waiting in line for a cup. Have y'all heard about this? Uh, a Stanley. I, did somebody have their Stanley with them this morning? Nobody does? I saw, I saw one earlier. There's one. Nothing wrong with it. Not making fun, I promise. But the latest one was Starbucks. What? What? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. But the latest one is Stanley. They, they collaborated with Starbucks, and they came out with this, this new one, and people got up, and they waited in line uh, to get their hands on this cup. For others, uh, it isn't about time but mileage. They're willing to travel far for whatever it is they're seeking. I had a friend in college who drove about 1,200 miles from San Antonio, where we were at, up to Chicago, because this car that he wanted, he, he needed to go up there and get it. And he drove that car back. I think he flew up and then drove back. I've had several other friends. What? Oh, Chick-fil-A openings. Yes, I've done a few of those where you wait in line. You're there all day. You sign up. Um, it's really fun. I heard they don't do them anymore, which I am disappointed in because it was an enjoyable time. I've also had friends who they, they were waiting for a child in their lives. And they decided to adopt, and they went overseas, um, some as far as going over to uh, China and over in Southeast Asia, where they, they wanted someone in their, the child in their lives, and they were willing to travel that far. Sometimes it is traveling a great distance to see a friend or a family member, even if it's only for a few hours. 
I remember right after Josiah was born, we drove halfway between my house and my granny's house because she hadn't got to meet him yet. And so we traveled this distance just to have lunch together. Whether it is traveling a great distance or waiting in line for something, there are those items or people many are willing to do whatever it takes to see them or to go and get whatever that item is. In our scripture today, we catch up with the Magi who did the same. They travel a great distance to meet Jesus. This comes from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 12. Please hear now the reading of God's holy word. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your word. We ask you to open our hearts, open our minds. Let us hear from you today. Let my words be of you, O oh God. Amen. So the wise men, also called the Magi in, in some translations, uh, they traveled around a thousand miles. They were uh, from right around the area of Iraq or Iran in modern day, and they uh, traveled this distance, this great distance, this thousand miles to visit Jesus. Now, this distance took them somewhere between 40 days and two years. We're not sure um, how uh, long it actually took them, but we know it at least took 40 days because um, right before this, it talks about Jesus going to the temple. We talked about that last week, where he goes to the temple, he's uh, he and his family, and he's presented to the Lord. And and just like those characters we met last week uh, in Simeon and Anna, uh, they traveled this distance because they wanted to uh, 
seek after Jesus. We remember Simeon and Anna, that they had waited their whole lives, that they had, God had brought them a promise saying, hey, you are going to meet the Messiah before you pass away. And so they had waited uh, time-wise. They had waited, Simeon and Anna had waited many years to meet Jesus. With the Magi, with the wise men, they had traveled this great distance to come and see Jesus. They traveled this distance because they knew they needed to do whatever it took to see Jesus. Now, when they had traveled most of this distance, they, they got, came to the area. They got to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital. They knew that. And there they encounter Herod the Great. Now, this is the first time uh, in the story of Jesus that we encounter one of the Herods. And many times uh, throughout the story of Jesus, we encounter Herod. Now, this Herod was the first, really, of the Herods. Um, Herod the Great um, had been there, and he had been uh, the governor of that area. He's called King Herod, but really he wasn't a king. He was more like a governor of this whole area uh, that we really call the Holy Land now. And so um, I, in the Bible, if there really are two different types of people than the Magi and the wise men, I, it's, it's hard to find like opposing people, you know, it's like really like uh, Herod is in one camp, the Magi are in completely another camp. Herod was really rude, he was uh, crude, he was self-serving, he was paranoid about keeping the power which he had. He really, he, he got so paranoid that he had one of his many wives killed, his favorite one, because he thought she was plotting against him. He had one of his sons killed because he thought he was against him, and so he was very paranoid. And what he was paranoid about was anything that threatened his power. And we even uh, hear it here. It says that when these magi get there, that Herod was so upset that he and all of Jerusalem with, with him are, were terrified at the news that a new king, that someone else with power, had been born. Now, to contrast with Herod, we have the magi. They were kind, they were gift-bearing, they were selfless, and they traveled a great distance to meet someone who truly held power. Herod had no idea uh, Jesus had been born. Even though Bethlehem was six miles away, even though Jesus had came into Bethlehem at least twice at this point in his life, uh, when he had uh, come up to be circumcised and when he had been dedicated. And didn't even know where the Messiah was to be born in the first place. How can you be the governor of an area and not even know where this guy was to be born? He goes and he asks the religious leaders. He says, hey, do y'all know where, where the Messiah is to be born? Because I have no idea. So he was clueless in, in many ways. And so uh, he, he tells them, uh, he, he, he gets this uh, message, it's from the book of Micah about where the Messiah is to be born. We hear that prophecy in our scripture. And he tells the Magi this. And the Magi get up and they go to Bethlehem. And the same star that had guided them to seek Jesus, the same one that had taken them this thousand mile distance, they saw it and they said, oh wow, there's big things happening. They 
go and it rested on the house where the Holy Family was staying. Now, what the star is in the story um, has been a mystery that many have tried to solve over the years. There's all sorts of theories about what this star was. Maybe it was uh, <clears throat> some kind of planet so that, that, that came close. They, sometimes they think it's uh, Jupiter or Mars or another one that, that was extra close uh, at, to Earth at the time. Some think it might have been a supernova, a star exploding billions of miles away, but visible uh, in the sky, and they saw that. Now, my favorite one is the comet theory. Now, back in 2021, do y'all remember this, the, the Christmas comet? Do y'all remember that at all? Anybody here remember the Christmas comet? Um, I, it was really cool. I remember being able to see it up in the sky. I was at my uh, grandparents' ranch and saw it up there, and you could see it. You could see it moving. And then I got out the binoculars, and I looked up, and even with just binoculars, you could see a little bit more of the comet. And that was really neat. And so that's another one of the theories, is that maybe it was this comet, um, either that comet or another comet. Um, many comets come by the Earth, and so they think, well, maybe it was a comet. Whatever it was, <laughs> it got them up and got them going, and it showed them that something significant was happening. It showed them that there was someone who was born that they needed to go and find. And when they get there, when they come and they, they find Jesus, they're very generous, it talks about. They're generous to him and to his family. And the gifts that they give, the frankincense, uh, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they're, they're, they're providential in many ways. They are ones that, that really show parts of who Jesus is, as well as they are ones that help to support the Holy Family in their next part of their journey. So the Messiah was said to be uh, one who would come that would form uh, part of, he would represent each part of the Old Testament government. So they had three forms of government, just like we do today, uh, but they were different. They didn't have the executive, judicial, and legislative. They had prophet, priest, and king. And so the Messiah was said to be one who would occupy each of those offices, each of those forms of government. Now, when we think of the three gifts, the gold is the gift that is one that is uh, a kingly type gift. Frankincense was uh, the incense. That was the only one that was allowed in the temple. And so that's a priestly gift. This was one that was an incense that had to be burned in the temple. And then in myrrh, as we sang, excuse me, in our uh, Three Kings hymn, it was used for embalming, that it was part of that province, really making it a prophetical gift, symbolizing his death that he was going to do later. Like I said, these were also supportive uh, of the Holy Family because right after this, um, Herod, uh, the par- in his paranoia, goes and wants to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem that are two years and younger. That's why we say between 40 and two years, uh, the distance that uh, they travel is somewhere between those two numbers because he says, oh, two years and below. And so when that happens, 
the holy family. Joseph is warmed in a dream. Hey, get out of town. Get out of here. Go to Egypt. And so that's what they go and do. And the money uh, that they were able to be supported by would have been used uh, from these gifts, that they would have used these gifts. They would have traded most of those um, and used that money while they were in Jerusalem. They were there for a time until uh, King Herod had passed away and they came back. Now, when the Magi's quest is over, when they had traveled this distance, they had met King Herod, they had got to Bethlehem, they had given their gifts. They were warned not to go back to Herod. They went home by another way. And I think in this we see a final gift that the Magi gave Jesus, that this is really giving them time by not going back to Herod and saying, hey, he's at uh, 18 such and such lane in Bethlehem. They go back to their home in another way. This gives them time to to have the dream and to get out of Bethlehem um, before Herod can get there for his nefarious purposes. The Magi, what they show us is that seeking Jesus is what we are to be all about in our lives. But seeking in this way isn't a one and done thing. It isn't, oh, we find Jesus um, and we're all good. It's about seeking Jesus each day. It's about seeking Jesus in every area of our lives. For Jesus is the one who seeks after us way before we can seek after Jesus. Jesus seeks after us. Jesus walked out of heaven, walks into our world to show us his love for us. Walks from immortality into mortality to show us that love, to show us his grace. We will never travel further than Jesus does to find us. Whatever the distance is that we think we have to travel, Jesus has traveled further. He has spanned the distance. And in seeking him in our lives, we find him in the people we meet, in the places we go, in the activities we do. Why do we seek Jesus? Because it is in the pursuit of Jesus that we are transformed into being like Jesus. Which is the greatest pursuit of all. The word Christian, uh, the root of it is uh, little Christ or to be Christ-like. That's what the word Christian means. So to be a follower of Jesus is to become more like Jesus. To be a Christian is to become Christ-like. I pray that as we as individuals and we as a church become more and more like Jesus in this new year and that God would gain the glory. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the three kings. For in them we see those who would seek after you um, in every way. Lord, help us to be ones like that as well. May we seek after you in our lives and what we say and what we do. Lord, may we be ones who are like you in this world. We ask this in Christ's glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly sermon message. We hope this, this has blessed you in some way. Please see our notes below for if you have a prayer request or if you would like to learn more about our church.